0: This is the Speaking of Writers podcast. I'm Steve Richards. Handsome, outspoken, and larger than life, Hector Macho Camacho electrified the boxing world of the 1980s with a passion for joyrides, one of which landed him in Rikers as a teen. The moves of Bruce Lee, a love of leopard print and gold, and a complete indifference for what other people thought about him. Camacho may have seemed like an unlikely champion, but time and again he would prove his doubters, and there were plenty of them wrong. In the book, Macho Time, the Meteoric Rock and tragic fall of Hector Camacho. Christian J brings us from Camacho's childhood in Puerto Rico, which his mother had to flee, to his coming of age in Spanish Harlem, to his training in various hardscrabble gyms throughout New York City, to his place atop the world stage of his chosen sport, which was, of course, the toughest sport. To the nightclub parking lot in San Juan, where he was shot dead at the age of 50 in a drug deal gone bad. Kristen Jay is the author of Hands of Stone, The Life and Legend of Roberto Duran, which was turned into a major motion picture starring Robert De Niro beloved warrior the rise and fall of Alexis Arguello and a fire burns within the miraculous journey of Wilfredo Gomez born in Haddonfield New Jersey graduated from Villanova University currently makes his home in Charlotte North Carolina where he teaches English at Harper Middle College High School happy to have Christian Judah join me now here on speaking of writers Christian welcome to this program
1: Steve thanks so much for having me I, I love uh, talking about the book and I love talking about the writing process so, so uh, thank you so much
0: well this is your fourth biography of a Latin American boxer where does your interest in them stem from and why macho Camacho for you as a subject
1: well when I wrote when I wrote the book on Roberto Duran I traveled to Panama and I just I, I got I got this love for the people in Panama and I just at the time in my life, I was looking for something and trying to trying to find myself and figure out who I was. And when I went to write that book, there were so many questions that I had—not only about myself, but but about you know writing a biography—is is it going to work? And you know is this going to be something that that I'm going to be able to follow? And, and I, I always said to myself, if I got a chance to publish that book, that I would come back and continue to uh, to follow Latin American fighters because I really had a passion for them. And then um, later on. You know, I would say about four or five years ago, someone came up to me and said, "What about Hector Camacho? Why don't you write a book on Camacho?" And I didn't. I didn't really know much about Camacho except for the fact when when, he, when I was younger, I used to uh, tape his fights through VHS. That's when you had the VHS tapes, and I used to tape a couple of his fights. And I was like, "Wow, this guy! This guy has all the tools to be a great fighter." And I just loved watching him. I think when you when you find a, an athlete. Um, I guess in any medium, but, but, but for me, if I found an athlete that I just love, I became engrossed. I, I follow their statistics. I read about him in the paper. Um, so Hector became that particular boxer for me at an early age, but I lost touch with him. And um, I just, I just didn't follow his career like I did other, other fighters. But when, when that person brought it up to me, it got me thinking, thinking a little bit and it took about three years before I decided that it might be a reality to write about Hector.
0: And Christian, what was your research process like for this book? You know, I
1: think because I had a lot more support from the publishers this time, I felt a little bit more comfortable with how to approach the book. But typically, what I always do is I'll watch like 15 or 20 fights. And I'll, I'll copy everything. I'll cover that fight over and over again. And as I do it, I'm getting questions in my head. And then I'm going to... Uh, newspapers and my, my first my first area is news, newspapers to focus on what, what what were the journalists saying about about uh, Hector Camacho during that time but initially it's a boxing focus I want to focus on the boxer because through the boxing element we start to see personalities uh, sh- uh, surface with Hector Camacho and, and that happens with all the boxers but you know I don't I think I have an in- interest an understanding of their persona away from the sport but I don't really until I do the the actual boxing research, and then through that boxing research, I get more contacts. But it's funny; each particular biography. Sometimes I have the same contacts, but they're giving me a completely different angle from which to see this character, which is a really, which is really great for me, because you know we're, we're st- we have this relationship. Um, And we're talking boxing. And so the first thing I do um, for me is to go to the boxing aspect Then I go to the personality. Then I start to see the different angles. And then this time I got really lucky because I worked with Hector Camacho's son. And Hector Camacho's son gave me so much insight into his father. And that really directed how I would write the book.
0: We're chatting with Christian Giudice. His book is Macho Time, The Meteoric Rise and Tragic Fall of Hector Camacho. So what surprised you the most about him?
1: He was a guy who I don't think he ever realized how, I, I don't think he ever, I think he realized how much people, how, how beloved he was by people, but I don't think he realized that as he moved throughout his life, he was not able to see that he was losing a part of himself throughout each particular, um, aspect of his life. And I I think it's hard for anyone to see, but Hector was very aware that when he was the center of attention, he was, he was the focus. But I think when he got away from that and, um, and it was different with Hector because for him, you know, he, he understood that, he was different than most boxers. He was sensitive. He was vulnerable. He had all these different characteristics underneath the surface. And I, you know, when, when he started to get, get involved in drugs and the, the vices outside of the boxing ring, I don't think he realized the toll that it was taking on his life. So when people came up to him and said, you know, there's something, there's something wrong. You got to, you got to change the way you, you you're living your life. He, he just, he just didn't see it. And you know, everything was fun for him. So it would take something really dire to happen. I mean, even when he was shot at, it was, it was like his answer to that was they must have not known I was the macho man. I mean, so, so I think uh, things that were very serious to other people, and especially in this day and age where it would be a huge red flag, it just wasn't for Hector.
0: And what type of insight did Hector Jr. provide that others could not? You know, he told me what
1: his father was like in intimate moments. You know, we had this brash, sometimes volatile, uh, flamboyant, charismatic guy, oh, we know that guy right? I mean we know Hector Camacho, you know Hector Camacho, I do, um, and even some people the casual fans remember hector Camacho oh he 's the guy who who dressed in all those costumes, but Hector Camacho Jr took us to the guy who would um, you know even when they were separated, he would call him, he would find him, um, he would always how uh, he would pull him close to him and give him kisses and hugs and and um, you know buy him gifts. Um, you know, maybe he wasn't the best father in the world, but he, he tried. He really tried. I think he really wanted to be a good father. And he felt that the, the, a lot of the things that he was teaching him, the principles, um, the values, were going to make him a good person. And he did come out a, a, a good person. But, I mean, the lens that we saw Hector Camacho through his son was so valuable for me because no one really – those are things no one knew. I, I don't think anybody understood Um, like how Hector Camacho made his son, you know, um, you know, to become a man and the things that he instilled in him. So that, that was, that was really, uh, vital to be able to tell that story. And to be honest, that created a narrative that I've never had in any of my other books.
0: Christian, what insight did childhood friends give that family members may have been reluctant to discuss? The fights. I mean,
1: that, that's exactly it. I would say if there were five different family, you know, uh, friends, um, just such interesting fights. I mean, this was a guy who would get in a fight, or he he would see someone starting a fight. I mean, fights were every day. I mean, in Spanish Harlem, you had to you had to fight, and and that, that's what a lot of the friends would say. You just had to fight. I wasn't a fighter, but I had to fight. So that was part of the the culture. And um, for him, it was like a it was a process. It wasn't just all right, let's fight. It's you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my, get my boxing boots, strap up my boxing boots and we're going to fight. So I think they, they, they brought me to Hector, um, A, the fighter and then B, a guy who, Hey, we looked up to him. Like, I I don't know if everybody knew that. I mean, I think a lot of people understood that, but we looked up to him. I mean, he got into a lot of trouble. He wasn't the best role model, but still he was, he was the best we had in Spanish Harlem. And I think, you know, one, one friend said this, you know, I wasn't a boxer, But I was able to take what Hector showed me and put that and utilize that in other aspects of my life. And I thought that was really a wonderful thing to say about about, uh, someone when they're they're remembering someone from their childhood.
0: Christian, Judah Jay is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Macho Time is his book, The Meteoric Rise and Tragic Fall of Hector Camacho. What fight, Christian, was Camacho's best performance and, and what made it so special, do you think?
1: You know, I think that Jose Luis Ramirez, um, he was coming off a time in his life where he had a layoff of his managerial problems, um, just not feeling well, really depressed. And, and he, had to, he had to have this comeback. And he came back in 1985 and fought Jose Luis Ramirez, who was a Mexican fighter, and the Mexican and the Puerto Rican, um, there was that rivalry. And he came out, and, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge super fight, but he needed to be great. And I think when, when, when a fighter needs to be great, it's not the easiest thing to live up to, and he fought a beautiful fight. I mean he dominated Jose Luis Ramirez over, over twelve rounds. He didn't knock him out, but he showed people that when he was down and out and that people seemed some people seem to forget about him, he could come back with this monumental performance that said, Oh okay, oh I remember why you were great and and I think that you know that tells you something about his character as a fighter because a lot of fighters uh, when they get into drugs or when they get into um, whether it's, uh, and whatever vice it is, they can't come back from it. But he came back and he shined. So I think that's his best fight, being able to take something like depression and, and really struggling and then figure out a way to recover and then come back and, and, and fight a masterful fight. So I, I
0: do think Jose Luis Ramirez was his best fight. And hey Christian, where do you think he ranks historically?
1: You know, it's, He's not, he, he's, um, you know, I, I wrote about Duran, Arguello, Gomez, um, you know, when they, when they did a, a, um, a survey of Puerto Rican journalists, he, w- he was about five or six in the best Puerto Rican fighters. I, I wouldn't rank him necessarily in the great fighters of all time. But if you look at, at, at the great 130 pounders, I certainly put him up there in the top 10. I mean, he was only there for a short time, but, but gosh, he was brilliant. As, at 130 pounds, he was so fast. Defense was amazing. Uh, the movement, the foot speed—I mean, um, he was just so graceful. But but then again, he was—he uh, had this edge to him, that Spanish Harlem edge. Like you know, you you can try something on me, it's not going to work. But when I try it on you, it's going to—it's going to—it's going to work wonders. And and by the way, the referee isn't going to see it. So he, he had all of his, these different edges, and he, he just couldn't beat them from 1970, 1980 to 1983. He was unbeatable. Um, and, and, um, he had everything you wanted in, in a great fighter. So I, I think I would, I would rank him the 130 pounders, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard to rank him as an all time great, but that's, that's not, I mean, there are a lot of all time greats. And so, so, um, there are a lot of people I would put up there, but Hector just, um, you know, I, I think when he start his skills started to diminish, um, he kind of moved out of that group of you know, the op- absolute top five of the 1980s. So I, I think there are different ways of looking at his career.
0: And if you had the opportunity to ask, ask Hector Camacho one thing about his career, what would it be and why? Well, you know, the, uh, the one thing I would ask him is,
1: um, you know, how, how did you see yourself? I mean, the world, the world looked at you, and especially since a, a, a documentary just came out, the world sees you in a certain light. Is you know when you're alone and and and, um, and and away from the eyes of the public, is is this? How do you view yourself? I'm I'm just really curious because I think I think I was be able to tell his story um, through through the way I see him, but sometimes that's that's not how the fighters see themselves. And since he's you know since we we, we lost him, um, it, it'd be hard for me to um, you know that that's the one thing uh, Steve that I really want to know. How, how, how did he view himself during such a a, uh, a rise and a fall in, in some of these great moments in his life.
0: And what would you like readers, Christian, to take away from this book, Macho Time? I, just a great story. I mean, I, I, just, I just want them to feel like what I was able to do was tell his
1: story in a way that was entertaining, all right, touching. Um, I, I want them to see that um, you can't just pinpoint this particular macho guy in one way. He's not a one-dimensional guy, um, but there were nuances to who he was. All right, and and I think that I want them to understand. You know, I, I I hope they feel the passion that I put into it because I I really I really did um, did what I felt was necessary to to tell his story and all the the the, uh, the turns and the and the uh, the great moments and the, the, the you know the rise and the fall of what has happened to him and and I also want to say like what, was it a fair analysis of, of who he was. So it's like all all different things because as a writer, it's hard for me to just say oh, I want them to enjoy it because you know I I think there are different ways of of looking at Hector and and I just hope I captured all of it. Are you working on another book? Uh, not yet. You know, right now I'm teaching. I'm I'm, I'm loving uh, teaching. I have some really great students at Harper uh, Middle College High School here in Charlotte. So um, it's a uh, it's uh, I'm still I'm still teaching and then. Um, I will start looking into some other books, but I kind of want to just enjoy um, Macho Time for the moment.
0: Christian today is the author. Macho Time, The Meteoric Rise and Tragic Fall of Hector Camacho is the book. Christian, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, thank you so much. It was a real treat.
0: And this is Speaking of Writers.